How's it going, guys? My name is Will Holdren, host of your Willpower podcast. And today, our special guest is Evan Stewart. Now, Mr. Stewart is the host of the Obsessed podcast, and he's also the CEO of the Obsessed Academy. So, Mr. Stewart, uh, thank you for joining me today. Absolutely. Well, thank you for having me. I'm I'm glad to be here. I know we were talking a little bit before we hopped in the uh, in the virtual studio here, man. And I'm I'm happy to be here. I think this is going to be a good show. Yeah, definitely. I really appreciate it. Uh, so, so to start off, I like to ask my guests all the same questions. Uh, so what motivates you to get out of bed every day to do what you do? Well, uh, just like you, I believe in inspiring, impacting, and improving the lives of other people. And yeah. really, there's three qualifiers that I use for my day-to-day. And if you've engaged, well, I know you have, but if your listeners have engaged with my content at all, you know that I believe in inspiration, fascination, and motivation. I believe that you need to be inspired, fascinated, and motivated by where you live, where you work, who you live and work with, and how you live and work. And I know that sounds a little bit, you know, well, elongated, but in reality, uh, when you are living a life that's inspiring, fascinating, and motivating, it means that you're able to have that jump start at the beginning of the day, you know, to get out of bed and be excited about what you do. And so, really, what motivates me is how we live and how we work is we are able to help other individuals become, so to speak, a a better version of themselves in the sense of fall into a rhythm instead of falling into complacency, fall into a rhythm of success, fall into a rhythm of actually getting up and achieving the things that they said that they've always wanted to achieve. And then in a tactical standpoint, a lot of what we do in consulting with businesses is helping businesses grow and inadvertently helping individuals run companies that they've always wanted to run but didn't have the tactical and tangible advice on how to actually do that. And so what motivates me to get out of bed every single day is knowing how many people rely on us to actually show up and deliver. And because motivation is really an emotional construct, isn't it? I mean, I'm sure even you, there are probably things that you love and things that you don't love about a, a, a life that's exciting. But what motivates me is the understanding that when things, if I am not there and I don't show up and I don't deliver so much rides on that responsibility that yeah. whether I want to, whether I'm, I, I don't, whether I'm, I'm tired, whether I'm, I'm ready to go and full of energy every single day is, is one that would be, so to speak, motivating. And so one of the biggest, I actually talked about this yesterday on my obsessed Academy uh, Facebook group. We have a private private group for some of our private clients. And okay. when you are asking yourself questions like what motivates you, um, I, I, I like that. But one thing that I like on the back end, because I'm all about tactical and tangible, is if you are listening to this show and you're struggling with motivation and you're struggling with answering that same question, thinking, okay, Evan, I don't really know what motivates me. There aren't necessarily all these people that rely on on my day-to-day, it doesn't really matter too much if I show up or not. One thing that I would strongly recommend is start putting yourself in positions where people rely on you and what you do. And yeah. so when I was a self-employed individual, one of the very best things that I did was I started hiring people way before I actually needed them. Because now you've got 
mouths to feed and you've got smiling faces waiting for you. And if you don't show up and deliver, there's an additional accountability. Uh, that's really, really, really motivating. And so knowing that, um, and candidly, I'm not pushing anything on anybody, but I'm a person of faith and I fundamentally believe in God's direction and movement on our life. And everything that I do really is to glorify him. And so on the, the, the day to day, that final piece of motivation is moving in a specific giftedness and purpose, which to me is a spiritual responsibility in addition to an ethical one. So a little bit of a little bit of both. Definitely. And ever since I scrolled across your Instagram like a month ago, I mean, I can definitely tell you're the motivated type of person and you like to inspire people. And you've definitely shown that through your your personal brand, which is based uh, it's based around the word obsessed. Mm-hmm. And um, so you also have the Obsessed Conference as long yes. as you're Obsessed Podcast and Obsessed Academy. So um, where will your Obsessed Conference be this year? Mm. Well, the Obsessed Conference is going to be in Dallas, Texas, and we actually had a little hiccup. What people don't understand is when you're putting on such a monster event like this, uh, there's so many moving parts. But the good thing is actually yesterday, yesterday, we we moved into a final confirmation stage. So it'll be in October. It'll awesome. be in Dallas, Texas, and it'll be at an amazing venue called the Bomb Factory. We uh, We upgraded my first conference in 2019 was 5,000 square feet. And we moved, we're moving to 50,000 square feet. So we've got a monster attendee list of some of the greatest speakers and some (laughs) of the absolute greatest attendees. And I'm so, so, so excited about it, but it will be in Dallas. It will be in October and it will be in that uh, event venue. It's just a matter of that final date confirmation, but you and I are recording this roughly mid January, so to speak in 2020. Um, I don't know yeah. quite when this will release, but in January towards the end of this month is when we'll actually fully release that push. So you can head to obsessedconference.com to grab some info and check it out. That's awesome. Now, I know uh, I heard you talk about this with Bradley on his podcast. So, like, I don't mm-hmm. want to make you repeat all the things you're saying to him, but um, like, what made you want to start a conference? And like, how mm-hmm. long ago did you start your first conference? <laughs> that was last year when we started our first one. Really? Um, yeah, yeah. I, uh, I, I, I was the. It was just last year was such an incredible year of transition. I mean, it was it was really pretty crazy. But I was talking with a friend, and literally the conversation went like this: "I think you should start a conference." That was it, and I was already kind of thinking about it. So I said, "Okay." So that was a Wednesday. Wow. That was Wednesday morning. So Wednesday afternoon, I had venues picked out. Wednesday evening, I had toured venues. Thursday morning, I had secured a venue. Thursday afternoon, I had prepared and sent speaker agreements um, wow. and started and pr- got the website done and uh, pushed out the website. Friday morning, we got speaker agreements back. We got the website back. We got the facility back. And Friday afternoon, we started pre-selling tickets. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and so, um, and so it literally, the beginning of that week started with oh, you know, we're just going about our day to day and building the company. And I was still transitioning out of my real estate company at that time. So my time was split. And by the end of the week, it was, holy crap, we're going to put this on. And uh, you know, by the grace of God, yeah. we were able to launch and actually host a really monster successful event that first, that the very first one within about 90 days. And so wow, it was, uh, I definitely don't have years and years of experience to the conference game, but I tell you what I do have is an understanding of what makes people want more. I have an understanding of how to bring tactical and logical advice 
back to individuals who are looking for answers. Because the yeah. problem with many conferences is people will go, they'll check a box and they'll think, I did this thing, now I'm going to be better. Or the problem with many conferences is that it's just a pitch fest. And see, when I looked around, I saw it wasn't inspiring, fascinating, and motivating, my three qualifiers. It wasn't engaging. It was in boring hotel conference rooms. It was, you know, these conferences would have these speakers that were the same speakers doing the same circuits about the same things. They weren't actually driving answers back to these big questions. Some of the questions that I ask myself would be, hey, you as the consumer, what do you get through a relationship with us that you cannot get anywhere else? Right? We'd started our yeah. conference because we were excited to, but we had to fundamentally ask questions like, how does your life and your business change, transform by being in this environment? And that's not some wishful idealism. It's we want to answer those questions through that experience. And so I'm confident when I say that the obsessed conference is unlike anything out there because it's our answer or, you know, really our response to what the market has been fed, which is, Hey, we've got some kind of fun music and we've got, you know, a little bit of food and a little networking party and then some people there, but that's really it. And yeah. you go and, and, and I would go to these conferences, not naming any names because I know how hard it is to put it on and I know the people that do it, but I would yeah. go to these big quote unquote brand name conferences and I would walk away having spent some more money, but rarely having such amazing tactical advice that I could immediately apply it and see results in my business in a 90 or hundred day window. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. That's not fun. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, you started it last year and like, how did you get like these big speakers just to come to your conference? Like with it being like a new conference and stuff, like how'd you reach out to them and have them agree to it? Mm, that's a really, really good question. Um, I believe in the power of deep and rich relationships. And I, through my other business, which really got my foot in the door for a lot of these relationships. So it wasn't just, hey, I started sliding into those DMs and <laughs> and, and yeah. people saying, hey. But, but what it was, um, my other business the one that I had sold in 2019 was a luxury and ultra luxury real estate business okay. and that, that, I, that I had built. And the reason why that is an important starting point to answer your question is because if you can buy and sell an $18 million home as a consumer, you probably are pretty well connected and pretty successful. Yeah. And so as I built up that business, a lot of the people that I met were connected and I'm, I'm serious. I just started hearing these names come back and back again of people that were connected. And so wow. I would ask, I wish I had some really complicated, you know, Superman story for you, but honestly, Will, I would just ask, Hey, wow. you know what, Will, I know that you're connected to this individual and by gosh, I would love, love an introduction. Would you be willing to make an introduction? No strings attached. I just want to meet great people. And yeah. literally how I would build my, my relationships and build my network is I would just meet great people and I would have no agenda. I not, not even for the conference. It's just, I just want to meet you. Well, what do you want? I don't want anything. I just know <laughs> how powerful, rich and deep relationships are. And then I would yeah. identify these components in the relationship to bring value. And I would go out of my way, spend my time, energy and resources to bring value, to invest in the relationship. And then over a period of you know a certain amount of months or a period of, depending on where the relationship started, uh, 
that would grow and they would deepen. And then sometimes you have that ask, Hey, I love, I've got this conference. Would you like an audience to share your message with? And when you've got a platform like that, and someone usually has a message to share, the answer is almost always yes. So that helps. But honestly, yeah. Will, it's just, it's just bringing value without an agenda and then asking, you know, okay. there are amazing people in your network and to the listener in their network that, that aren't, they don't have big Instagram followings and big social followings, but they're wildly successful. I know people here in my area that aren't on social media, but are worth hundreds of millions of dollars and have amazing knowledge and are pretty yeah. accessible. But mm-hmm. those individuals are often overlooked because we're looking for the flash, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, true. So, I mean, like when you started this conference, like did you ask these people to come on before you actually sold any tickets or like, were you scared at all that like, okay, I got all these cool people come to the conference, but like, how do I know if anyone's going to actually come? And what if like, I don't make any money doing this conference and stuff like that? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I was, <laughs> I mean, really? I'll just, I'll just be real with you. Yes. The answer is yes. 100% yes. And yes, I asked them to come before I had sold tickets. Wow. You know, and see, and here's the funny thing. I don't know if you've seen it and, but, uh, there was a documentary on, on, Netflix about the fire festival. Did you see that? Uh, I did not No. Well, what this was, and, and if you, if you haven't, you should check it out because it's okay. unfreaking believable, but it was this music festival that was supposed to be put on. And basically they didn't plan correctly. They didn't have the right resources. They just started selling, 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 selling without really thinking. And so long yeah. story short, they ship a thousand you know, thousands of people to this little island with no real shelter, no food, no facilities, no artists, no me. And basically it was like an apocalyptic freaking war zone. People are tearing into others stuff to get food and they're like, oh, it was terrible. So (laughs) I launched the conference and like a month later, this documentary comes out. And so on my mind, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, please don't let this be another fire festival because there's so it's like it's like hosting a birthday party you know i really want people to come to my birthday party can we all just hang out together and and um so yeah absolutely i i i put that out there but that's the thing about that type of commitment is if you commit to something of that nature you really only have two options you figure out a way to make it work or you simply fail and that's one reason candidly why the space that we rented this year is the, the space alone just to get the venue this year is costing me as much as the entire conference last year, just the venue before everything else. Wow. And the reason wow. why we're committing to such a large upgrade is because, A, I'm going to have to stretch myself and my company and my resources in order to get there. And B, now that we've committed and put that out there into the universe multiple times, I mean, you heard me talk about that on Dropping Bombs with Brad. I've said yeah. it on multiple other shows. So now your expectation is this is going to be done. So now yeah. we either succeed or fail and failure is not in my vocabulary, which means we have one choice and that's to figure it out. So yeah, yeah. it's scary, but we're, we, we always figure it out. Yeah. I mean, it's like, did you, did you sell out for your first conference? Like, was it packed? Actually, we, we sold out the room. I was, tr- yeah, the room was full. I was trying to oversell the room. And so technically speaking, I could have fit probably about 50 more people, but the amount of people that showed up, we, we ended up 
packing the room that we had. Uh, it was a really, really beautiful setting. We partnered with the the Lincoln Motor Company. They've got a beautiful venue here in the Dallas area, and uh, uh, I mean, it was it was a as as successful as an event like that could have gone in my mind. I was very, very pleased with with how everything turned out. The community was great. The environment was great. We had extremely highly trained employees working on staff, and so um, yeah, I was I was very, very pleased. It was a great experience. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's pretty impressive because, like, I'm assuming at this point, like, you didn't have, like, a huge, massive social media following where, like, you just had, like, a thousand people that would just go as soon as you said anything. So, I mean, that's pretty impressive. You could get, like, your first year and have it be that successful. So, congratulations. I appreciate that. And and honestly, my social media following has really grown in 2019 because the issue that I had was I needed to exit my other business in real estate to really solidify my and, and validate my role here in this well in this new space with I already did a lot of speaking and consulting and work for other you know other companies and other individuals and a lot of what we do now in a smaller capacity but the problem that I needed to shake was oh, I'm still a real estate guy yeah. and so 2019 was actually it wasn't as easy as just posting something on social and people showing up. Now, you know, thank goodness we've been working so much and and we've been so diligent and obedient that we're able to start building that machine of people who understand. Oh wait, we actually have a message. We're actually different. We're actually not blowing smoke. So we can we can flip that switch metaphorically. But honestly, people got to that event <clears throat> not just because we posted on social, but people got to that event because I was literally calling. Myself, I was calling just pe- like like freaking cold calling my database to sell wow. conference tickets. And wow. so it was it was a hard year because I'm finishing up running my real estate company, which is taking the majority of my time. I'm opening Obsessed Academy as a business, a fully blown, you know, consulting firm instead of just me and and a few people running this little firm. It was actually yeah. full blown into the multi-million dollar business it is this year, as opposed to, you know, what it has started and then trying to launch this conference. And in between all that is me hitting the phones, just, Hey, Will, I got something to tell you. (laughs) So it was a hard push, but, uh, we have momentum now. So I I don't anticipate that, that in 2020, it'll be a little bit easier. (laughs) Yeah, I hope so. Definitely. So, I mean, when you were in real estate, I'm assuming you were pretty successful. So why did you decide to leave real estate and get out of it? Hmm. Well, honestly, I just felt that my calling was elsewhere. You know, it was really cool to be growing into that business. I I had been there for seven years, give or take, started it from nothing. And I, uh, I really struggled in the beginning part of my career and, and had a lot of lessons learned, a lot of grit, a lot of mentality, a lot of faith and built it into a $35 million book of business. And through that transition, the money was great. And the opportunities were great. And I met a lot of amazing people. But to be very candid with you, Will, my gift is not necessarily in brokering deals. Now, I'm very, okay. very, very, very good at sales. I should be. I teach it. Yeah. But my gift, honestly, is finding simplicity and bringing to these complicated structures, these ambiguous structures, bringing systems that can f- cut through the fog like a hot knife through butter okay. so my gift is with individuals 
that are living in what I call the gap of ambiguity, which is this fog in their life where they can't distinctly find an answer. Cutting through that, helping them identify their gift and live in alignment with their gift, and then building a system that creates a diligent obedience. Not that emotional motivation like we touched on, but how you can remain diligent and obedient to that giftedness and that calling. Or in businesses, because I've frankly been there many, 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 many times, hey, you've got issues with your sales staff or you've got a bottleneck somewhere, You the pipeline's not working or the systems you have are breaking, finding clarity and applying systems and solutions to that. Those two areas, whether corporate or professional, that really lines up with, with my gift, which is to identify and bring solutions. And so in yeah. real estate, that was not utilized because I can still, I work with great homes, I work with great people, I both you know internally and externally with my clients. But every single day, I kept coming home and feeling this friction between where I felt I needed to be and where I actually was. And so I left because, frankly, I sat back and I really put some faith and some time and some prayer into it. And one day in particular, I just, I felt it was time to move. And so I felt that that was answered. And um, the very next day, I picked up the phone and I said, Okay, there was a broker in particular who was ready to take over, and uh, and I said, "All right, it's time." And we we signed, you know, took care of the agreement, and 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 it was done. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just hearing stuff like that, like it's always so impressive to me because, like you said, you were successful in your real estate business, and then just like that, you had like a feeling, like you know what, I can do a little bit more than this, and you just leave like that success just behind you, and then you just go on to another thing. And now you're successful again with your obsessed personal brand that you have going on mm-hmm. and you have a test academy. And mm-hmm. so, I mean, you're in your twenties and you've already done so much stuff in your life. And I'm just wondering like with your new business obsessed Academy, mm-hmm. like what mistakes have you made so far with it that like, if you could go back, you would change or not do again. Mm, absolutely. That's a great question because, um, you know, and I appreciate you, you mentioning that, uh, the mistakes that so far that we've made with the Obsessed Academy, I would say, first of all, I mean, the timing was great for what it was, but knowing what I know now, I would have moved out of real estate sooner because okay. last year I fully exited roughly seven months into the year. Now, realistically, I thought I would be in, I thought it would still be there for three years, but the yeah. looking back, we did a, we had a great year last year um great great revenue but roughly 70% of that revenue was done between august and december wow. now part of that was just because we poured a significant amount of resources into pushing part of that was because we expanded the team and we had more arms it wasn't just you know we 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 didn't work the first part of the year i mean we really did but we finally were able to build that machine to a point of, okay, now we're relatively stable. Now we can push really, really aggressively. And okay. so I'm a big believer in getting the right people on the bus before you actually drive the bus. So yeah. many people think, okay, you know, will you come on? We need to have the answers and then we hire. No, no, no. I identify people that have a similar moral and ethical standard that align with our core values of unity and responsibility and, and growth and precision. I have uh, this identifier where, okay, you're a great individual. You've got good morals and ethics. You align with our core values. And I know I want you, I'll take you whether or not I have a job position, a uh, job position open. And 
and then we drive the bus. And so that first mistake really was executing faster in regards to leaving my other industry and pouring more resources into this. But, um, you know, there are a lot of, a lot of little mistakes that we make all the time, honestly, all the time in, in, uh, in our growth. But I really don't look at mistakes as something that, oh my gosh, I wish I would have done something differently because I'm so grateful for the lesson that we had learned. It's just adjustment. I believe that once is a mistake and twice is a decision. I'll work and make mistakes and I'll have people that make mistakes all day long. And I don't care about that. I want us to learn. Now, I will not diligently and willfully make a bad decision. And I will not allow people in my company to make a bad decision, which is, hey, if you do that twice, now it's a bad decision. Um, Yeah. And so... But uh, yeah, I mean, there's a lot, man, you know, running a business, a lot of moving parts. There's a lot of opportunities to learn. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And so, I mean, like, and that also proves to other people that like, when you do start a business, like you don't have to be perfect. You can make mistakes and you can still like grow and have a successful business, which you can see with your business. Mm-hmm. And I mean, since you have this business, like, did you go to college and get a business degree or like, where did you learn like all these business, like skills and tactics and stuff? Mm hmm. Mhm. 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 Well, that's a that's a great question. Um and uh, I did go to school and I dropped out. <laughs> so um but but I come from a line of entrepreneurs. My father is an entrepreneur. I had my great uncle was a very successful entrepreneur and so growing up it was always what business do I start or service do I provide in order to earn, not where do I go work? I've only yeah. had one quote unquote real job and that was for a couple of months at, um, well, as, as far as real job and being an employee instead of the employer, um, that was a few yeah. months in a retail position when I was in high school. Cause I wanted to try it out. And I tell you what retail around Christmas time is nuts. For those of you that do that. Oh my gosh, you guys are <laughs> unbelievable because that was crazy. So, <laughs> but, but, but that's what I did. And, and a lot of it honestly was just trial and error. Ever since I was young, my first business was brokering, you know, doing little trades around around school and in elementary school, I would bring ice cream to school because the ice cream truck or the ice cream cart that they brought around closed and there was still, you know, usually 10 minutes left in lunch. And so when they put that ice cream away, I would break out my own ice cream and sell it for another 50 cents more than theirs cost. But we would still get it because people wanted ice cream and they weren't done with their food yet. So right. um, the timing of the first product was incorrect, you know, that type of thing. And so yeah. I, I grew grew from there, had a technology company in middle school and high school that actually ended up being pretty successful. We employed uh, seven different salespeople throughout the school. Uh, one of the people on my staff was my science professor, uh, ended up packaging that and selling it back to an individual in the district. Um, we uh, uh, took some of that money and opened a small consulting firm on getting other entrepreneurs that were young in the right hands in opportunity for finances with the right people for mentorship. Um, had a little stint on the side where I did some music production cause I, I really love music. And, um, um, but, but really it was just trial and error and trial and error. And yes, I'm, I'm still a young, you know, individual, but if you pretty much live your adolescence and your twenties where you don't go out, you don't waste your money, you just dive back into your business and you learn. I mean, I literally, I've been completely sober my entire life, you know, and wow. some people think, well, maybe that's me being a deadbeat, but like never been high, never been drunk, never that's really awesome. gone out and gone, you know, crazy partying or things because 
throughout my entire life when that was happening, it was always going back into the business. And even if it wasn't a business, it was learning and getting educated and building relationships and trial and error and starting businesses and failing. And, and you do that for pretty much from in kind of a funny, silly way, elementary school to actually building a business structure that was popping off a few thousand a week in middle school to an actual business in high school. And then a couple other from there, if you live 15 years where all you're doing is essentially trial and error in different capacities, you learn a lot. Most people don't start that until they're 25 or 28 or 30. That's the problem. And now you're 40 and you're, and you're 45 and you're starting to learn these lessons. If you get started young, you know, there's no wrong age to get started, but if you can get started young, then you can essentially compress that amount of time. Cause if you fail too, which you will, by the way, if you fail, you've yeah. got a lot less riding on that decision. Yeah. Um, I just want to go back a second. And you said that uh, you had a tech company in high school and yeah. you actually hired a teacher in yes. high school to work for yes. you. Yes, she actually said she was making more money as Oh my. Yeah, yeah. She said she was making more money wow. as a uh, professor or sorry, as a uh, salesperson on my 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 team than she was as a as a teacher. <laughs> oh my word. I mean, like what was this tech company? So, you used to be able to buy these they they were called crates but it was like a cardboard box right you used to be able to buy these crates of broken electronics on these online auctions and i'm sure you still can i just it, this is not anything i do anymore but uh, yeah. what would happen is is you could buy a crate of i don't know call it 10 ipods or whatever and it would cost you you know anywhere between one and three or four hundred dollars to buy these 10 or 12 or 15 broken iPods. So what we did is a friend of mine, his father actually worked as a certified refurb specialist for Apple. And so what we would do is we would buy these crates of broken electronics and then we would, and it wasn't just Apple products. I mean, it was just MP3 players and laptops and iPods and all sorts of things. We would buy these crates of broken electronics and then we would go out and we would have them Re, you know, essentially be refurbished. And then we would resell them, not as certified, but certified quality without the certification of being refurbished because you can't certify if you're a third party. Wow. And then we'd go back and we would resell them. So let's say we would buy, we'll call it for $200, we would buy 15 iPods. And then okay. let's say we lose one. So now we've got 14 and it cost us another four or $500. So let's say you're all in for $700. And let's say you've got 15 iPods. Well, if if that iPod typically retail is going to run you $300 and now you've got 15, then we would just sell them at 200 and uh uh you know make, you know, essentially a a full uh, profit margin of, of essentially doubling our investment. So you wow. you do that over 5 6 7 8 9 10 crates over you know, a multi-week period. I mean, this little stint only lasted about a year, but yeah. all of a sudden you're making, you're making some pretty good money, especially for a kid, you know? Wow. That's, that's so impressive. That is honestly awesome. Having your teacher work for you. That's so cool. <laughs> it was pretty funny, honestly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I mean, like where you're at right now in your life, like 
Are you living the life that you dreamt of as a kid? Do you think? Yes and and no, but it it not in the way necessarily that that you might be alluding to. I mean, there were a few truths that I knew when I was young. Okay. The first is that I always knew I would be wildly successful. Now, success yeah. in my mind is not just financial. While I do believe that is unbelievably important, those yeah. that say that money is not important usually don't have any because it's damn important. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So uh, I, I always knew I would be successful. I always knew that I would be doing something to help other people because that's a part of my DNA and it's never left. It's always been there. Mm -hmm. But to be very honest with you, Will, when I was growing up, I thought, man, I'd love to live in the city and drive, you know, a nice car and, and, and do these, do these things. And I thought, ah, oh, 40 or 50. And I was living in one of the nicest towers in the city, driving a nice car and, and living quote unquote that life when I was in my young twenties. And, <laughs> wow. um, and I'm, I'm not saying that to be braggadocious, but, but it's awesome. Bring light to the fact that I had done uh, really that life I thought I would be living, I had yeah. accomplished that at a younger age than I expected. And so now the thought process was, well, well now what? Because I remember there was a day and something you, really interesting happens that people don't talk about necessarily. But when you start financially, specifically start making a really good amount of money, mm -hmm. the, the desire for the stuff, if you're not trying to fulfill some type of, you know, ego push, and if you don't need to keep up this certain identity, the desire for the stuff really falls to the wayside. It's like a dog chasing the mailman kind of gets there and then just stands there and, and, you know, pants for a second and doesn't really do anything. It's when you have an opportunity literally to buy pretty much anything you could ever want, all that drops away. And so I was sitting there and I'm thinking, okay, I'm looking out the window. I've got a beautiful downtown view and I'm thinking I'm in this really nice place. I'm in this great tower. I'm in the city. I'm kind of doing all of this, but it was funny because I had this moment. I thought, well, I thought this was what success looked like and I didn't feel any more or any less successful than I did when I was broke and living in an 800 square foot studio apartment. And okay. so the answer is yes, because when I was young with the knowledge that I had, the vision that I had identified was a life similar to where I'm at now. But the answer is also no, because when I was young, I didn't have the capacity to think large enough on a global scale. So now I'm entering the second phase of there are components conceptually to what I believed I would be doing as a young adult uh, or, and as a child, helping other people, impacting the world, living in a giftedness, um, being able to maintain a certain level of success and give back. And, you know, we started yeah. a Stewart foundation, our, our family foundation, and there's a lot of great things that we're doing, but also there's so much of my life right now that honestly I couldn't visualize. And it was shown to me as I was continuing to be diligent and obedient of what this, what this new life looks like on a global capacity that a lot of the day to day is looking back and thinking I, I could have never envisioned this. And even where we're headed, I could have never envisioned this as a kid. Yeah. You know, wow. and so the answer is both yes and no. Huh. So what you're saying is you had this dream about how you're going to have a nice car, a nice house in the city, and then you accomplished it by the time you're like 22. And then you just kept on going with your <laughs> Yeah, it happened quick. <laughs>
Yeah. Man, it, that's it happened so cool. quickly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I so where you're at right now, I mean, you're already wildly successful. And so like in the future, like people always want to set goals like 10 years into the future, five years into the future. And so where do you see yourself in your business in like 10 years from now? Mm, that's a great, great question. And in short, I don't know. <laughs> I really yeah. don't. I, 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 I know how I want my life to look. I know that Obsessed Academy will be a household name. I know that Evan Stewart will be a household name. I know that we'll be impacting the world on a global scale, a significant global scale, because we have some clients in different countries and whatnot, but I'm talking about being able to step foot with recognition in a country and having a significant amount of people that we can help, having that platform already be there based on our experience and our diligence. Um, I know that uh, uh, there you know, my wife and I at some point want kids. So internally, um, you know, perhaps we'll have kids by then, but to be very honest with you, the way that I operate, I set goals conceptually on what I'd like to achieve in a 10 year period, but to be very candid with you, so much can change in 10 years. Yeah. That really, the only thing that I know for certain is I'm taking a daily diligence and obedience and walking with what I believe is God's purpose on my life and staying in faith and and in presence with that walk and i know that that is the most important thing to me so in 10 years that's how, what i will be living but i go year by year and and kind of roughly 3 to 5 year projections but i really go year by year because again a year ago i thought i would still be transitioning out of my real estate company i thought that would take 3 years it took 7 months wow. and so it's so hard to project what 10 years will look like because 10 years ago i was I mean, I couldn't make an $800 a month apartment payment if I wanted to, you Jeez. know? And so, yeah. so much has changed that it's really honestly hard to project. Conceptually, I can say, hey, I know this will be in place and this will be in place and this will be in place in concept, but in actual, it's a lot harder for me to project. And maybe that's yeah. the right way. Maybe that's the wrong way to look at it. But it's 2020, looking back on this last decade, like I can't, I couldn't even imagine being where I'm at right now in just 10 years. And so I, I have no idea what the next 10 years is going to look like. I know it'll be great though. That's one thing I know for certain. And I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> yeah. I, I honestly just love your mindset that you keep referring to like how you like, you just know you're going to be successful. You just don't know the exact road that you're going to take, but you just know at the end of it, you will be successful no matter mm -hmm. what sector you go into or anything that you do, which is, which is really cool to hear. Um, so before we run out of time, I mean, is there anything else you'd like to say? I mean, honestly, I'm just, I'm grateful for an opportunity to share with your audience. I like what you're doing, Will, because there needs to be a light shined on young professionals. And, and yeah. I say young really as in under 20. Um, I hated being called a young professional because you're always trying to fight that age. And so if you're listening to this and you're, 13, 18, 15, under, uh, even 25, 30, if you're listening to this and you're really struggling with where to start, what I would recommend is two key areas. One, start identifying what you're really good at doing. Everyone says live in your passion, but there's something that you can love doing and something you're an expert at doing. And in the middle usually is a perfect opportunity for you. You must okay. look inward and think, what are you really really, really good at and what are you passionate? Where does it intersect? 
But if you're a young professional, one of the best things you can do is A, stop going out and partying and wasting your time because time is so valuable. Oh, I can get on that when I'm 25. I am telling you, I am telling you, some of the most successful people I know had already built and exited businesses by their mid-20s, which means they're already so much further ahead. Now, you can start at any time, but it's so important that you don't waste the time that you have when you might not have a spouse, you might not have kids, you could lose everything and still kind of be okay. This time in your life is so important. And then second of all, build those relationships. Really start asking with genuine want to just bring value and be a, a great relationship for someone because those relationships that are nurtured and massaged and value rich over the course of five, seven, 10 years, those can be wildly impactful because it is not what you know, it is who you know. That is the truth. And sometimes after enough diligence in the right relationships, you've got that great idea. You could literally pick up the phone and say, I've got this great idea, but we need $50,000 and have somebody that has a capacity and the want say, you know what? No problem. We can make that happen. And that takes time to nurture. So I would really, the, the last thing to, to leave the audience with is to look, look at yourself at that strength and then also look at your relationships and um, really identify, you know, that's how you yeah. should be spending your time right now. It really is. Yeah. Those are words of wisdom. Definitely. I mean, uh, if anyone wants to go to your conference, where should they go to buy tickets? Mm. Well, obsessedconference.com will be okay. uh, where all that information is. Right now, it's a landing page as we get everything built on the back end. But you can go to obsessedconference.com. And uh, after it launches, we're going to be running a 14-day early bird special, 100, uh, 100 bucks off your ticket. We've got I, I, I can't say the speakers yet because we haven't technically announced, but we have amazing speakers already lined up and it's going to be an opportunity for you to build your network, to get in relationship with people and you should absolutely check it out. But if you have any questions, you can find us on at Obsessed Conference. You can find me at Real Evan Stewart on social and I'm happy to answer your questions. I believe in accessibility and availability and um, I, I really believe in the importance of what you're doing too, Will. So if any of your audience has has questions or need specifics, I can always reach out and, and we're happy to take care of them. All right. Thank you. All right, guys. There you have it. Evan Stewart, thank you so much for joining me today. <laughs> thank you. Hey. No way that we go is a 